Hey guys, it's Rosie and you're listening to the Grow and Guide podcast and this week I have Shannon O'Dell joining me who is a neuroscientist, a science communicator and also a comedian from New York City and this week we're going to be talking about anxiety and stress. Uh, So I'm just really excited to chat. Let's go. Oh, Shannon, welcome. Welcome to the Grown Guide podcast. I'm excited to be here. Today we're going to talk about anxiety. Nothing more fun to talk about. <laughs> I know. What's What's been making you anxious? What's making you anxious right now? Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine anything would be making me anxious in the current state of affairs of the world, right? <laughs> Yeah, which one? Which one should we pick right. to start with? <laughs> exactly. Uh, sh- um, what's making me anxious this week? Well, you know, like many Americans, I am underemployed at the moment, but you know, I'm in good company, meaning everyone <laughs> is underemployed, so it's okay. <laughs> then it's fine. We've got people around us. Who ne- who needs work? Right. Exactly. <laughs> we're healthy and we're alive, and that's all we can. That's all we're allowed to ask for right now. <laughs> yeah, that is that is very true. That is true. Um, yeah, so we are going to talk about anxiety today. And um, yeah, I guess the reason I wanted to talk to you about this is because um, you you understand what's going on, like inside mm, people's heads. Yeah. And this is, ve- this is very intriguing um, because you're not, you know, only going to be talking about your own experiences, right. but you are, you know, a neuroscientist and comedian yeah. of all things. <laughs> yeah, so I really like uh, have anxiety uh, under control in every part of my life. Um, you know, anxiety <laughs> and comedy go well together as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like, um, just like, I feel like everyone has an inherent interest in themselves, you know, and I think we're kind of attracted to careers that have to deal with ourselves. And like, I feel like as someone who's always been fascinated by my own brain, because I felt at times that my brain's not (laughs) working optimally. I think I was very much attracted to studying uh, anxiety and stress when and studying the human brain in general. When did your love for neuroscience start? Was there like a moment when you just thought, yeah, like it clicked? Right. Yeah, that's that's a funny question. I mean, I always really like science. I think since, since I was like a little girl. I kind of, I think I liked the idea of science. Like I thought I liked the props that came with science. Like, okay, you wear a lab coat and you have a microscope. And uh, I don't know, I think I kind of liked that idea. But then um, I was always really into my science classes. And then I kind of started college and thought, okay, well, everyone around me is doing pre-med. So I guess I'll be pre-med because that seems to be the thing to do. But then I like kind of like sat down with my advisor a couple of times and they were like it doesn't really seem like you want to be a doctor and I'm like no I am I don't want to be a medical doctor so I'm not sure what I'm doing um but then there was a moment I would say that uh when I was abroad my junior year I studied abroad in Australia and we had 
we like went to the Great Barrier Reef. Amazing. Uh, incredible place. <laughs> and <laughs> I, <laughs> you know. Oh, just a little shout out to the tourist board <laughs> just there. A, yeah, shout out to Great Barrier Reef. Go see it if you can. We can't travel right now, but <laughs> in your lifetime. Um, and I met a couple scientists there who were studying fish behavior. And I just thought that was so cool. Um, so I kind of got into neuroscience from like a behavior standpoint where I was really interested in animal behavior and, uh, you kind of, with animal behavior, I always just kind of got interested in like, okay, the nitty gritty of that. So like, how can we go down to the like smallest bit possible of, uh, information to understand the big picture? So like behavior is huge, but what I ended up studying was kind of like molecular neuroscience. So I'm like studying the little small pathways to get to the giant picture of behavior. Mm, mm. Do you think that, like you're saying about, you know, you wanted to understand yourself a bit more? Mm. Like, do you think that that's, do you think that's the case? Like, do you think that it has helped you understand yourself as a person a bit more? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think this is something that I've just started to realize now that I've, you know, I finished my PhD program and started to reflect on it. It's kind of hard when you're in the moment to really understand anything that you're doing because <laughs> there's no there's no time for reflection. But, I mean, I did have my moments where um, there was like this moment my second year of grad school where I was studying for my qualifying exam, which is like this big exam where you're basically going to propose the research that you do for the rest of your PhD time. And so I was trying to figure out what I wanted to study and at the time, I was learning a lot of new techniques um, and like how to analyze animal behavior. And there was a lot of stress in my life, obviously, during that time. Um, and I was experiencing a, a lot of panic attacks during that time, which, you know, I had never, I had always dealt with anxiety and some social anxiety and things like that. But this is the first time I was really experiencing this manifestation that was like, it was almost like something concrete to point to. Like I had always dealt with anxiety, but it's like, okay, now I have this extra thing of panic attacks. So I, I really couldn't, you know, uh, deny it any longer because, I mean, they were happening. And um, But at the same time, I was studying for this qualifying exam. And part of what I was studying was like uh, examples of like this phenotype of uh, anxiety in mice and like how to study it. And I was learning this test, which was called this elevated plus maze where you put a mouse on this elevated maze that's literally kind of a cross and one side of the maze has these tall walls and the other side of the maze has no walls at all and what you study is like naturally mice are going to want to explore a space so they'll spend some time in the part of the maze that has no, no high walls so it's kind of like scary right and they'll spend some of the time or most of the time in the area with the high walls because it's kind of safer. But they're still going to explore and like go out to that area that has no walls. But an anxious mouse is going to spend all its time, almost all of its time in the area with the tall walls. Mm-hmm. And I remember just like sitting in the behavior room once, <laughs> like after 10 hours of behavior, I'm like kind of like feeling myself fall into like this like panic attack because I was like thinking you know just thinking about things and I was like oh my goodness I'm that mouse I am the mouse like (laughs) up against the corner of the walls and uh 
it, it's kind of funny. I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm so obsessed with myself. I am going to spend six years studying my own brain, essentially. Um, but uh, yeah, so it has uh, definitely been a reflective process. And I do feel like at the end of it, I kind of have this new philosophy of like the more you can learn about your brain and your body, the more power you can feel like this empowerment of, you know, I under you can't understand everything that's going on, but kind of this like little bit of step up on it. Like, okay, I'm having a panic attack. What exactly is happening in my brain right now? And why is that happening? And how can I feel a little bit more control or feel like mm-hmm. I'm in control of my thoughts and feelings. Because mm-hmm. that's what happens when you have a panic attack. Like it's it's a loss of control, yeah. and that's why so many people fear having them because you, you don't know what to do. Right. But, you know, if you can actually sit there and like understand what's what you're going through, I, I guess it's like anything really. I mean, like I hate I hate flying. Mm. Like flying gives me like major anxiety. Yeah. Like to the point that. Like I went on a flight actually to the US a couple of years ago and I'm not I'm not proud to say this, but where did I go? Oh it was it was LA mm. and I went from London to LA and I was so nervous and so anxious and this was before I went to the doctor to get any sort of Xanax right. or Valium or anything. Um I drank so much of the free cocktail within the first two hours of this flight and I had absolutely no concept of long haul because I hadn't done it before and two hours in I was like I'm absolutely trash and then like two hours passed and then I had a a hangover and then I was like asleep and then I woke up and I was like surely I'm here right seven hours in I just reached New York yeah and I was like oh my gosh like and I, I just didn't know what was happening. I, then then I had this panic attack right. and I was like in the air and I was hung over. And there's and nowhere no to idea. go. There, I mean, there's absolutely nowhere <laughs> to go. <laughs> well, you, you say that, but I actually, I remember going into the bathroom yeah. and I was like still a bit like hung over <laughs> and just, just crawling like into a ball and just sitting there and being like, this is awful. Right. Like, when is this going to end? Oh. Like, oh, but you know I didn't know what was going on like you know you're in this strange environment which doesn't help but I had absolutely no idea like what to do in that situation and it's and it's yeah it's so hard and it's also hard because so much of it's happening within our own bodies and it's like if there's anything we're supposed to know it's like or feel or like you know we're always in our bodies it's like but all of a sudden when you're in a you know panic mode or anxiety all of a sudden your body becomes this foreign place that you like don't know how to deal with and you also like don't know where to put it you know that's a manifestation that I feel of like I got to keep moving but I also like need to go into corners you know you need to be that mouse up against the wall um yeah which I think it it does help I don't know how much it helps in the moment because it's hard you know when anyone knows that you're dealing with anxiety or panic if you're very if you're already there it can be kind of hard to deal with but at least the time surrounding it knowing how to like frame my mind of like okay what what's happening and also like I think there's a there's a kindness that comes with it in terms of I was always not judgmental but just like a little hard on myself for my anxiety and my panic you know there's always that feeling of like why am I panicking? Nothing's that bad. Like, you can get, like, this judgmental 
this judgmental feeling towards yourself, but knowing that like it's just your mind and your mind is just kind of taking cues and understanding them to be something that's fear inducing. And even though we consciously might know these things should not induce fear, your mind's judging it that way and kind of feeling like your mind's just trying to take care of you. And it's trying to help you survive. It's just doing a bad job in the moment. Mm -hmm. And is that what's going on like in your brain then? So like what happens, you know, when you when you have a panic attack, like what I guess it, can you like condense what kind of happens inside your in your head? Right, like the very basic idea behind anxiety or panic or anything. It's basically you have these areas of your brain that have evolved to kind of protect you. Right? It's it's they're watching out for things that might be threats, um, and they've evolved that way because you know there's their their survi- their survival. Uh, promoting so like it was evolutionarily sound for your brain to set an alarm alarm bell and make you run away um if there was like a bear next to you right you get you (laughs) you naturally which which frequently happens all the (laughs) time right right it's always happening and now that we live you know in cities bears are constantly just like knocking on your door uh yeah all the time it's so stressful (laughs) And, you know, and now we're living in this world, or at least for me, like instead of a bear or like a snake, I'm like, you know, reading an email that um, doesn't have any like explanation points. So I think the person's mad at me. You know, it's like your brain is like reading these small minor moments as as something that is fear inducing. And then it's your brain is doing what it's been evolved to do, which is like, okay. When you're in a situation that might be bad for you, you're going to have all these things that happen. Your blood pressure is going to go up. It's basically trying to put your body in survival mode so that you can run away. Um, you, you are, uh, your heart's pumping really fast so that you have more oxygen traveling to your brain and so into your like eyes and all these areas so you can have like really acute, you know, sense of uh, vision and those are great if you're in an actual survival situation, but not so great when you're, you know, walking through New York City and you get a text message and you're like, oh, no, this is the end of my life, <laughs> which is just a text message like someone canceling plans. But, you know, our brains aren't so good at uh, kind of judging. What- just can't quite like identify the difference between a bear and like an eye message. <laughs> exactly. Um but yeah, I think that kind of thought of like, okay, my brain's just trying to take care of me. It's trying to help me survive. It's just maybe not doing a great job of it. Um, yeah. Kind of like redeveloping this kind of loving uh, relationship between me and my brain. I mean, obviously we are our brains, but like I think we can get this, at least when you deal with anxiety or panic at a young age, you could feel that feeling of like, ugh, this is so annoying or like, getting mad at yourself or feeling like you're one way or another when it's like it's not it's just our brains trying to help us survive (laughs) you like you touched upon it just then but obviously like you are living in New York Mm. you know and that's that's where you are like do you think you know I've been been to New York a couple of times absolutely love it like probably and I will be damned for anyone who listens to this who knows that I'm in London. But like, I like I like it more than London. Wow. But I know, I know, it's awful. Um, 
But I think the reason why I like it, maybe in small doses, is because I go and it's so it's so busy, it's yeah. so hectic. Yeah. It's when I'm going in summer, like it's so warm, there are so many people. Like I don't know. I mean I I come home from that and then I'm back like, you know, in the suburbs of London mm-hmm. and it's it's a bit quieter, but do you find it a bit stressful or like do you think your environment yeah you know adds to that yeah I mean I think I was drawn to New York for the same reasons that you say I kind of like the busyness of it and I think there is a comfort in uh especially dealing with thinking about my own anxiety of course I'm going back to my anxiety it's all I think about um (laughs) there's like a niceness of like going if I'm feeling particularly anxious and I'm like alone in my apartment and you're left with your thoughts if you just like go outside my door there's like tons of people walking around and there's just like people going around and doing their own business and I think for someone some parts of anxiety can make you think about your own situation or your own like and kind of make it bigger and bigger and bigger that kind of like catastrophizing mentality whereas if you just step outside and all of a sudden there's all these people living their lives it can it can feel like I don't know a little bit meditative of like oh everyone's Mm. just living their lives and cars are just driving by and and I'm not the center of it all yeah it's like I guess like normalizing you know what's happening like in the moment because I mean when I like when I've been going through things you know and I've I've spoken to people and the advice I always get given is like bring yourself back to the moment bring yourself back to what's happening like right now and it's really hard to take yourself from that place that you're at right right and be like okay you, you know I've sat there you know so many times actually just being totally transparent and I've been having a panic attack mm. and then I you know I'm thinking oh god okay what do I need to do it's like what do I see what do I smell right what can I t- touch and it's just like you know I'm sitting there going oh okay what do I smell I don't know what I can smell <laughs> C- carpet can I smell carpet like is that a smell right <laughs> but it's amazing how uh I think sometimes the more we like study the brain and like understand these things to like help with anxiety and it's like it's such basic things of like yeah like focus on your breath there's so much focus on your breath it's just like take yourself in the moment and you know the power of those (laughs) small little tools it just it can it can make you feel silly but also like very um I it makes me feel very thankful for like my brain and my like own ability to like kind of control things I'm like okay Mm -hmm. I just need to like place myself and I need to yeah pay attention to my breath yeah. and what am I seeing and all those things and it's like all of a sudden it's like oh okay I've, I've I, I took the alarm bell off of my brain a little bit and uh mm. yeah calmed it down what do you what do you think Because like for me I actually think when I'm sitting there and I'm doing that I, I'm actually sort of like laughing at myself yeah. a little bit too and I think that for me like having a bit of a laugh about it and like introducing some comedy into stuff that for me normalizes things like you you do comedy too yeah do you think that comedy helps with these situations yeah I mean I think absolutely and I think I think I've always been drawn to comedy partly because there is a lot of control in comedy like there's Mm -hmm. almost like a if you're doing a stand-up set or something like that, it's almost like I'm going to present myself in a certain way that's super rehearsed and like rehearsed to the point of like my inflection on a certain joke is like already pre-thought out. And uh, yeah, yeah. 
there's it there's such a control that can be really like nice in that like okay i know the kind of reaction you don't always know the re- reaction you're gonna get obviously there have been many times when i've not gotten yeah, good i was gonna say you don't you don't you know, don't know. <laughs> but it's almost like you know what you're going to do and yeah. um i mean even in improv there's like rules and it's like okay i need to follow these like improv rules it just i feel like there's something very grounding about comedy um like grounded in control and I think that's why a lot of people who are anxious and not that I can speak about everyone but like I think that's why I was drawn to it this kind of like sense of control (laughs) Mm. I I just find it absolutely fascinating because when you talk to other comedians and you talk to people who've been doing it for years and you're like you you have anxiety you know <laughs> yeah. we're we're the same right. like we, you know it <laughs> but it's like this sort of I think it is that it's like for me when I've done stuff in the past whether that's like improv or or stand-up sets or even sketches it's kind of like a bit of escapism yeah because even when you people think even when you're doing stand-up it's like oh this is how she talks to her friends and she's done the pub like no it's not yeah you know it's it's a set that you've written you know how you're standing you know how like you say you know how you're going to deliver that line like it's it's an act like it's an act and I just I, I just wonder like do you think people don't want (laughs) <laughs> their true self to be on stage yeah I mean it's a version I mean we're all always we're you know all the world's a stage we're always presenting mm. some sort of act to people <laughs> but I think yeah I mean I think it's still like your own voice but it's like almost this like fantasy situation where you get to like create who you are with such precision I don't know. I mean, more people should do stand-up. They're going to hear this and they're like, hell yeah, that's what I want. I want to be able to like create a persona and just like be that. <laughs> it's so true though. I think there's so much control that comes with with writing a stand-up set or standing on stage. And I don't know, maybe it's like because people think that they are getting the true version of you. Yeah. It's almost like you're sort of like, oh, you think that, but it's not true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just gonna keep messing with you right I am not this chill in person <laughs> yeah exactly you know do a joke like yeah it's like I wake up and like this happens but underneath you're just like dear lord like I'm I'm so highly strong <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly and I and I do think it's interesting that I I think a lot of even though science and comedy are very different worlds I think I'm attracted to them for the same reasons like science have has a like very strict set of rules that you need to follow and like a a, I am attracted to those types of situations or like very specific way you're supposed to think and ask questions and then and then like look at those questions it's a very rule-based uh I've always just been attracted to that kind of thing to kind of like keep my mind in in a track (laughs) (laughs) I I agree and I think like even just talking about improv Mm -hmm. which is you know I guess for anyone listening like improv is where you just stand on stage and you know for a lot of people they'll look at it and just think oh it's somebody who's just got up from a chair who is just messing around on stage with a couple of other people and it's all it all just works but like 
you there, there are classes there are improv classes <laughs> yeah. there are stages there are there are your bills to pay at the end of the month right? for these classes yes. like big bills to pay <laughs> massive bills to pay honestly like as in sell one of your kidneys yeah. bills to yeah. pay <laughs> and it's it's all you're still putting on an act yeah. even though you stand there at the start of it and go hey guys this is a set that you know every you know it's just totally natural like you know they're just gonna come and just play around and everyone's like oh my god this is amazing right but there's but it's it's rules it's rules it's just following rules and like yes nothing's pre-written but it's like you know you only like yeah you're just following rules in a like a creative way but that's the same with science you're following rules in a creative way like new ways to think about things but it's still okay I need to fit within the rules um yeah yeah (laughs) not to not to like tear down anyone's thoughts of like who are who's listening and they're like comedy is such a high art form and is is so free it's like it is but it's it's rules everything's rules (laughs) yeah you can't escape it I feel like we've just painted ourselves as like complete frauds (laughs) yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna move I'm gonna smoothly move on from that one um so talking about like you know your experience with anxiety and things and obviously like having studied it do you think that that's changed how you 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 spoke a bit about it before like changed how you look after yourself Mm -hmm. and what you you know choices that you make maybe yeah, I, I think this is an interesting question because sometimes um, I'm not so great at this, but um, like even outside of my own studies, I host a podcast with a, a couple friends where we look at different self-care topics and then I kind of dig into the science of like, you know, why this works, why it doesn't. We'll cover everything from like, you know, acupuncture to just like getting regular sleep, you know, all over the mm-hmm. place. And it's funny, I've learned so much about this, but I tend to be the worst at actually kind of living, living the science. Whereas like I know how important it is to get regular sleep, right? And have that routine. It's one of the nicest things you can do for your brain. Uh, And you're like your memory and all these things. It's just to get, you know, eight hours of sleep a night. Do I do that? Sometimes. (laughs) Or, you know, it. Or there's very simple things that are like getting exercise. We know how great that is for the brain. Uh, but do I always, you know, follow through with that? Like, not really. It's, I think sometimes I can <laughs> feel like I can get away with it. It's like, oh, yeah, no, I know it's good. I'm just, I'm just not doing it. Yeah, you're just like, you know, knowing is enough. Like, actioning is another right. thing. Like. <laughs> it's like, I know that when I'm feeling particularly bad it's like oh well you know what I should do is I should go for a run right now because what would happen uh if I went for a run is that I would get release of endorphins and endocannabinoids and those would help me feel euphoria and you know uh, um, a lessening of pain and and have and an anti-anxiolytic effect but you know what instead what I'm going to do is like sit on my ass and um watch another episode of you know the great british bake-off <laughs> uh you know i i feel the same as well especially with exercise i literally said to somebody today you know they were just like oh the gyms have opened up and I, i've it's been amazing because yeah. i've like, loved the gym and i was just like i went to the gym like two years ago once <laughs> and that was it exactly <laughs> and then i caught myself and i was just like 
oh my god I'm ashamed of myself <laughs> I'm so ashamed like my mental health man right I mean it's this is the thing is that you can know all these things but actually living it it's pretty difficult and yeah. it's funny because I feel myself there are times like like I'll even be talking to my my mom and she'll be talking about like oh like she will be watching a program and they'll they'll have this like um have you ever seen those commercials for like those brain pills those pills that, like help your memory like like vitamins yeah. or whatever whatever probably things that like don't do anything and she's like I need to get that I'm like no okay you you need we need to help you get regular sleep and we need to lessen your stress and this because I like know all of this but yeah. it doesn't doesn't mean that I'm doing it myself I might be telling other people to do it but am I doing it myself <laughs> it's a little bit more difficult um but you know I'm working on it quarantine has really made me um look at myself in the mirror and think about what am I doing uh for myself to make myself feel as good as I can in these times mm. so I I really recommend like not looking in the mirror during yeah. quarantine. <laughs> like I just you know self-care like aside you know that's just like oh, <laughs> just shut shut off the mirror like pretend it's not happening yeah I feel like I go through waves of times where I'm like super self-reflective and then other times where I'm like do not even think about the future or anything else like just uh yeah but you know it's been many months just be (laughs) yeah so with your podcast you every episode you like explore a different topic of self-care is there one of them that you thought like that really surprised you or was something that you weren't expecting Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, they, You know, basic, I, I don't know if there is one or if it's just like overall after going through the full season, I kind of went into it and like doing it with my two friends who are both like kind of self-care freaks. They are so into the idea of self-care and they're both people who really take care of themselves in ways that I just don't take care of myself. You know, they're very interested in things. Even we'll explore topics like crystals. Like, obviously, crystals aren't going to, you know, heal you medically. But there are real reasons, like, we like to look at shiny things. Or we like to look at things that we think are beautiful. And how that's actually great for for the brain in certain ways. And even just exploring the placebo effect and the placebo effect is real and can make you feel good. So, like, is there a harm to that? Like, yes, if you're wasting tons of money, but there is, like, a nice thing about, like, doing something special for yourself to make yourself feel good um, and kind of just, like, that extra love and care towards yourself. So I think in the end, what I kind of learned is, like, even though I was such a pessimist in the beginning, like, none of this works and, like, it's all, like, you know, junk, garbage, it's, like, no, there is really something to just like taking a moment for yourself. And as long as it's not like a predatory practice or like actively harming yourself, um, there's something to like taking a moment, figuring out what you like to do to take care of yourself and like how that can really help you get through this stressful life. <laughs> mm. It is a stressful life as well. We were going to say, I felt like you were going to say stressful period and then you just ended it with life. like stressful, stressful life that is continuing and never ending. Right. Like period. I think it's, I think it's kind of like, uh, it's, it's kind of fed towards my, as I'm changing, as I turn 30 and I'm 
entering a new chapter in my life, I think I used to feel such pride in the idea of being stressed. I used to think that like that was like an identity, uh, like, you know, a badge of honor almost of like, Mm. oh, yeah, I'm a person who's stressed. I'm a person who's doing a million things. I'm not just getting my PhD, but I'm also like pursuing comedy. And I also have a podcast and I'm also doing this. And, you know, those are all things I loved. But it was almost like the sense of pride of like, oh, and I have no time to do anything else. And and now as I enter my 30s and well, I'm in my 30s, but and now that I'm in my 30s and I'm stuck in quarantine and I can't be doing that much. It's kind of like I think this like realignment of like, you know, is being stressful that good for me? No. And I know that like it, to a very much like Ph.D degree wise that I know that stress is very very much bad for you um but and like why do I feel it's so important to have that as part of my identity and how can I move away from that and like then who am I if I don't have all the stress in my life uh -hmm. yeah I think yeah it's true like I definitely the same you know it was just like before coronavirus happened and before any of this was going on it was like I'd look at my calendar and there'd be something in there every day you know it's just stacks of like whether it's meeting someone or doing a comedy class or you know you do your comedy class and you do your performance in the same week and then it's like yeah I'm gonna do this podcast I'm gonna do extra hours at work and it was like I'm you know I'm motivated I'm doing things I'm happy and but like everything just slowed down and then you have this sort of I don't know like I don't know if you had this but I was like fuck like who am I (laughs) I don't have anything (laughs) what am I doing with my life yes (laughs) it's true and I I mean I think it's good I don't know it's definitely been scary um and it's made me think about all the things (laughs) you know and my own yeah What's my personal relationship with stress and how I do I sometimes use stress as a way to not address other issues in my life of like, okay, if I'm stressed all the time, that's the only thing I can feel. And then like, what am I actually physically doing to my brain and my body when I'm experiencing this like chronic stress all the time? I already know that's bad. Um, But like, can I let go of those things and actually figure out what I enjoy doing and uh, how I actually enjoy spending my time, um, not just filling my time. How do you think that um, this period of time has perhaps changed your opinions or like changed you as a person? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It might be too soon to tell. Um, But I think um, I've been thinking a lot about how I want to use science in the future. Like now I've, you know, I finished my PhD in January. So like right before we went into quarantine, um, actually like had my ceremony in quarantine. Um, But kind of like figuring out like, okay, I know I'm not in love with bench science and like being a scientist in a lab. But how can I use this information of like knowing about science and like knowing more about our bodies and our brains? How can I communicate that with people? Um, And how can I communicate in a way to make people feel good and more empowered? And how can I put good into the world? I think is Mm -hmm. has been a big thought in my mind during all of this. 
It's like, mm-hmm. what's the best way to use my set of skills to put good into the world? Um, and I used to think that was just like doing five million things, but I don't know if that's the answer anymore. Because <laughs> you had a you had a series as well, a mm-hmm. video series that you worked on, which I watched um, a number of episodes, which was I really enjoyed the one where you were talking about your brain on alcohol. Oh, yes. That was really yes. funny. <laughs> But I loved what you were doing, you know, you were mixing like this comedy and you were talking about literally what was happening in your brain. Like, do you find that process really easy then to mix comedy and science or, you know, what? how do you feel about those two very different subjects? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I do find it somewhat easy. I think for a while in my early comedy career, I kind of pushed away talking about science because I thought there were like two very different parts of my personality is like okay when I talk about science when I'm at school and then then comedy is everything else um but then I've I found that like okay very much my personality I think about science all the time like that is my point of view so I have to infuse it into my comedic voice um and yeah I in the ways that science and comedy are very similar in that they have like a set of rules I always say that like science and comedy are also very similar because at their core they're about making observations and then like sharing it with an audience right in comedy Mm -hmm. you're making observations about like oh this thing happens in life and then it's funny because it's relatable and then in science it's just like okay this is how it works and we all have a body so like it's relatable um so it's I found it very easy to kind of combine them now especially that I study neuroscience so it's like literally the science of why your brain works the way it does so it's very easy to like throw in your own personal experience or your your own little joke about something that happens in your life mm-hmm. yeah and, and you're part of a you're part of a comedy group as well mm. called drunk science yes yeah how did that come about? Was that like off the back of this realization of like, yeah, I'm going to do more with science? Or Yeah, I think it was kind of uh, the thing that like jumpstarted everything. So I, it started off, I was doing improv at the time and I had a couple of friends and the one friend who was like, I really want to do a live show, you know, and kind of like do it more like stand up, you know, because we were just doing improv at the time. And he was like, it would be fun if we could like, use this like your life in science as part of it and I was like oh no that's crazy but then I thought a little more about it um and yeah the show ended up being so every other month but you know it doesn't really happen in quarantine but back when we could every other month we have a scientist and we had three comedians and it's just a big old drinking game we interview the scientists we have science trivia and at the end our comedians give dissertations on scientific topics um, that are based off of the scientist's expertise. And it's really fun because it's, you know, it's PowerPoints. It's people reading the Wikipedia page and then creating a whole presentation on it. It's very silly. Um, but in the end, it's just like a fun, casual conversation about science with comedians, which is all I want for the entirety of my life. So it's um, it's really been a perfect vehicle um, to help me understand how science and comedy can go so perfectly together. Mm. Do you think that doing those shows and everything 
has helped stuff like your own anxiety? Like, has it been therapeutic in a way? Oh, yeah. I think definitely, especially with coming to terms with, like, I think merging all the different parts of my identity, especially, like I said in the beginning of, you know, six years ago when I was starting my PhD program and I was already doing comedy, I just, like, I thought never the two shall meet because you have to be so serious when you're, you know presenting scientific data and like would people take me seriously I'm already like a woman in STEM are people gonna like a woman a woman a woman can you believe I could believe this <laughs> um how dare she make jokes she thinks she's funny yeah women aren't funny she, no- she needs to be making sandwiches yeah. she should be making sandwiches for the men who are making the jokes exactly no jokes no science um so you know you're already feeling that kind of imposter syndrome that then you're going to come in and, you know, now I want to infuse comedy and science. Well, that's crazy. But um, luckily through Drunk Science, I, you know, I started to have more, you know, friends from my program came. And then like all of a sudden, you know, PIs wanted to come and like people higher up in the university were coming. And I started to feel this like acceptance of the idea that like, okay, I can be a woman science comedian. I don't know what a science comedian is, but. I am that, and I'm writing it on my taxes, so it's legit, so. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't that, like, the beauty of also finding yourself, too, is that, you know, it is unique, Mm -hmm. and you can be whoever you want to be. Right. And, like, that is, that, ultimately, I don't want to speak because I'm not neuroscience, but I imagine (laughs) that being yourself is probably the best thing you can do to be happy, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, because ultimately what... What you want to do is you, to make your brain, I truly think to make your brain truly happy, there's lots of things you need to do. But what you, what we really, I think, need to focus on is like, how do we reduce these like chronic, these areas of chronic stress in our life? And whether that be like very physiological of like, you're not getting enough sleep every night. Like that's a form of chronic stress. You're only getting four hours. And there are reasons that people can't get enough sleep at night. Like we, we live in a problematic world. But like finding these small points of chronic stress and kind of decreasing it. And I think, you know, feeling like you're not living your true identity is definitely going to be a source of chronic stress. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, finding these little areas that are bringing us unhappiness and stress and trying to deal with them in the best way we can is definitely going to make your brain happier. (laughs) Yeah, that is that is very true. Um. What does your self-care routine look like then? Oh, right now? Uh-huh. Oh, boy. Yeah, what? right now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> you know, what is my self-care routine? Um, I try to uh, wake up before 9 so that I can fall asleep before 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. You know, so keeping a sleep schedule. I, um, I have been doing a lot of yoga. Which has been great. I feel like you... I feel like you really hesitated that. You were like, that's been great. That's been great. You know, because this is the thing is that I'm not so great at... I've been trying to incorporate meditation more in my life because another thing I've learned from my years of studying the brain, meditation is so amazing for the brain. Do I do it? 
No. <laughs> I know this information <laughs> and then do I follow through? No. So I've been trying to kind of practice, do like meditative yoga. Um, you know, attempting is, 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 a, is a good thing. I've been trying to drink water. Mm, I've heard that's good for you if you drink water. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, though coffee is hydrating. So, you know, a lot of people try to knock only drinking coffee for the first six hours of the day. But, you know, coffee is hydrating. So I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> um, and, yeah, that's pretty much all I'm doing for self. And trying to be a little forgiving of myself, knowing that we are in quarantine. So if I'm not the most productive most perfect person every day it's okay (laughs) so be it yeah so be it I have a glass of water right here and I'm gonna take a sip from it because I feel like you've reminded me that I need to to water myself everyone who's listening please Mm. take a sip of water right now I think literally that's all I take sometimes is one sip of water and then like at the end of the day I, I'm just like why do I feel like a shriveled right tree? right like <laughs> so dry like, why do I have a horrible headache and I'm yeah. in a bad mood it's like oh I haven't drank any water today <laughs> yeah I know well there's there's your key takeaway everyone drink water more sleep and be your true self yes um Shannon I have one last question mm. for you and it's a bit of a rogue one but obviously we are the Grown Guide podcast mm. and um, if you could pick a badge any badge uh, to achieve or one that you would even award yourself mm. what would you give yourself or want to achieve um yeah I think my goal as I enter my 30s as I said is to like I have lots of goals but I think I think the stress badge the managing your stress badge <laughs> because stress is not great for the brain and uh you know we deserve better (laughs) we deserve more than being stressed all the time exactly it's self-care self-care all the way Mm -hmm. and um i am now about to go and drink a gallon of water (laughs) yeah i know same i feel like after yeah after talking too i'm like i'm parched Yeah, so parched. Um, yeah, I'm gonna drink like a vat of it. You know the ones that they give cows and cattle and stuff, like a full trough yes. of water. That's that's my self care. I mean, maybe I should <laughs> give myself the water badge, H two O. Yeah, H two O, repping for life. Oh, thank you so much for chatting. Oh, thank you for having me on. This is really fun. Mm.